You are listening to Freedom Church STL. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit freedomchurchstl.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy this message. Oh, it's a good day, isn't it? It is a good day. Well, let's do this. Let's get our Bibles out. Come on, we've got some work to do today. Just being honest with you, we absolutely have some work to do. What is my job here at this church? Huh? To make you laugh. That's right. And I do a terrible job at that, right? My job is not here to make you laugh, make you cry, make you feel good about yourself or bad about yourself. My job is to teach the Word of God in such a way that it that you see the truth in it, number one, that you can uh, make it relevant to your life, but then so that you can take it and then share it with somebody else, right? I'm sorry, right? Okay, I'm just making sure that because if it just ends here, then we've failed. I have failed you. Like if I haven't done my job to explain the word of God well enough that you can personalize it yourself, then be able to take it in your own voice and be able to explain it to somebody else, then I haven't done my job, right? And, and, I, and I'm very, very, that's a big deal here. That's a big deal here. And I want to just share something just real quick about what we're doing in the road that we are kind of walking down right now and make you, help you understand why we are doing it and kind of give you a little bit of insight of some things that are going to be uh, coming up here uh, in the next handful of weeks. So last week we started a series right after Easter on what we believe. Right on our website, as most church websites, we have a a statement that says, these are the things we believe. And they're pretty big C beliefs, meaning they're they're not beliefs that just Freedom Church holds. We believe that they are doctrinally uh, beliefs of the big C church. Are you following me on that? And so what we are doing is we feel like it is time for us to make sure that we all know what we believe. Because it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I have a belief system or I've got a doctrinal stance I believe or I stand on. But if you cannot share those things with other people, then what good is it? Right? If it's confusing to you, then you're just going to be confusing to somebody else. And so we're making sure that we're all kind of running the same direction, that we're headed the same direction. Now, the cool thing that's going to be happening in the next handful of weeks, by the time this is going to be done, there are going to be, and I'm not going to lay out what it's going to look like, but there are going to be videos. And it's going to be on the website. And there will be, I think there's going to be 10, 10 videos about 10 to 12 minutes long about me, for me, just discussing each one of these points. And with it, there's going to be questions that'll be a part of that. And that is going to be able to be able to be used for that when people walk in the church, we can kind of begin the discipleship process with them and go, we're going to start here and we're going to be able to take people through. These are the things we believe as a church. The other cool thing is that if you have somebody that goes, man, I'm never going to darken the door of a church, but I want to know some of this stuff. Could you help me? You're going to have access to these videos and go, hey, why don't we just go through these? They're 10 to 12 minutes long. They've already got questions built in. We've already got follow-up questions for you. And you'll be able to walk and disciple those that maybe never walk into a church. Wouldn't that be awesome? 
Like actually doing. You know that little command? I don't know if you read that where Jesus said, go into the world and make churchgoers. No, he said, go into the world and make disciples, teaching them everything that I have said and commanded, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you in all of it. Guys, as a church, we have, if we ever get so far away from the mandate and the command of making disciples, we are kind of failing one of our number one goals, one of our number one jobs as a church. And so we are going to do our best to, number one, have a way for when people come in this house to begin to be discipled, which they already are, but we're trying to make it structured and streamlined and easily done so that I can, I can take somebody like a, like a Paul or a Debbie and I say, hey, there's a new couple that just came in. I want you guys to walk them through the, the discipleship process. And Debbie goes, you know what? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be back next Sunday, maybe at another church. But that's all right. We're still working on Debbie. Paul would jump in, right? But I want to give us the opportunity. My job is to give us the tools to be able to do what we're called to do. And so we're trying to streamline these tools and make them as easy for you to access, easy for you to know, easy for you to understand and be able to use them. Is that, are you excited about that? Yeah. Because whether you're excited about it or not, we're going to do it. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, like I don't really need like a rah-rah because all I know is it's what the Bible and what Jesus commanded us to do. And so as a church, that's what we're going to do. Cool? Yeah. I'm excited about it. I'm really, really excited about it. But let's do this. We're going to pick up now part two of what we believe. We're going to talk about the authority of the Bible. So let's pray before we jump into this. Father God, I thank you so much. <laughs> Father, every week I always say that we are fully aware that as we gather over your word, that it's alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Like we're fully aware of that. But Father, even today, as we kind of even dig out the truths to prove the truths, God, we, we, we know that you want to speak to us. You want to solidify some things in our hearts so that we are well-prepared and well-equipped to be ambassadors of you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being in this place. We don't welcome you here. We recognize you being here. Father, we commit right now that our ears are open, our hearts are receptive, and that we will, we will uh, honestly not just let, let, let knowledge roll over us, but we will be fully engaged that when you want to speak to us, we'll listen and then act accordingly. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, let's do this. I want you to get your Bibles out, and, and I want you to turn to a couple of places. Well, not all at once. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Are you with me today? Good. Good, good, good. How many of you were here last week? Raise your hand real high. How many of you were not here last week? Oh, it's good to see your souls returning back to the fold. We prayed for you. You were lost in the wilderness. 
It's so good to have you back. We, oh, there's rejoicing in heaven. The Lord's just calling back the prodigals. We love you, folks. I'm kidding. I'm, I mean, some of you I'm not, but I am kidding in the bigger picture of things. No, but last week, what did we talk about? What was the main focus, the number one thing, where we started, where it all has to be? Like if this foundational piece is off, it's all off. And what was that? Does anybody know? God's what? God's authority, right? We had to establish the fact, or, or let, let, me, let me not be so arrogant to say that I established God's authority. God had authority whether I gave him the right to have authority or not. We just talked about it. Fair? <laughs> okay. But we began to deal with the fact and talk about that if we do not see our worldview through the constructs that everything is from God, that God has ownership from creation down, and if he has ownership from creation down, he has the rights to everything. Right? If he created it, he owns it. If he owns it, he gets to define it. And what happens if creation doesn't like how it's defined? It doesn't matter. That's a biblical worldview. So everybody out there that's running around and saying, I, I'm living my truth. <laughs> well, the reality of it is, unless your truth lines up with how God defines it, then you're living outside the spectrum of how the world was shaped. It's just the reality. It's not my, I didn't say that. Just going off on the guy that created this whole thing. And he defines things. And because of that, he has the rights. Not only does he have the rights uh, to, to creation and the rights to all this stuff, that means as a created being, he has rights to me. And as a believer, we know that more so than anybody. In fact, well, we should. Right? Because we're all God-fearing and we walk in lordship. So that means that if God looks at Jeremy and goes, Jeremy, I've called you to do this. And Jeremy goes, I don't want to. Who loses? Or who should lose? Jeremy. Right? And so he had to begin to deal with that. And we began to break that down and and see why it's important and why if we do not have that filter straight, if we think that we are the ultimate authority, we will constantly be trying to define God to fit my plan, to fit my life, to fit my truth and all of those things. But the reality is, is there's only protection and obedience to how his plan was shaped out. So we touched on that last week. And now I want to kind of move into the fact that that as a church, one of the things or the second thing that we kind of, and, and I won't say that these are really in order from this moment on. That first one is in order. That is number one. God has the authority. That's number one. Everything else is kind of like 1A, 1B, okay? But the next thing I want to deal with is the fact that as a church, we actually believe in the inspired, infallible, life-giving Word of God. Now let's, uh, let's unpack those things just for a moment. That word inspired and infallible. Inspired. Does anybody know what that means? Come on, just yell it out. This is audience participation time. Come on, community. What does it mean? Right, right. It means God did what? Inspired who? Man to write down his perfect will. Are you following me on that? 
We actually believe that. We also believe that the word is infallible, meaning without mistake. But wait a second, Pastor Chris. It was written by man. Yeah, but it was inspired by God. Right? And so I want to kind of, before we kind of jump into understanding or or seeing kind of a a bigger picture here, I want to kind of just lay out some kind of factual things when it comes to uh, Scripture and what we believe. Number one, when you're talking about the infallibility or the inspired Word of God, the one thing that you can look at is the unity of Scripture. And what do I mean by that? The unity of Scripture, meaning the Bible was written by approximately 40 different human beings, broken men that wrote and were inspired by a perfect God to write down His plan. And the one thing that you recognize when you look at the scope of the Scripture, meaning this, if I take all of it together, right, when I take all of this together, written by 40 different people over 1,500 years, over ever, from, from men that were from kings, from people that were fishermen, from all different walks of life, right? Are you following me on this? All of it in context, when it's taken all together, has one point and one direction. Now, you would sit there and say, well, that's not really proof. Okay. It's not. Have you ever talked to somebody about the Cardinals outfield and who should be starting in outfield or in the right field? Have you ever talked to have you ever talked to some have you ever had a dish that you make and somebody else makes that same dish but they make it a certain way and you make it a certain way? Do you have to understand something that you cannot get men to agree on the most simplest of things that are not life altering yet somehow 40 different men inspired by God over 1,500 years from king to fisherman all agreed and pointed to the same thing. Like right then and there, you should just go, well, that's, that's, okay, I'm in on that one. It's hard to argue that one, right? Right, no, no, I'm I'm just going to tell you, walk out of here, like when you leave this place, when you get up, ask somebody who has the best toasted raviolis in St. Louis, and just discuss that, and see how much agreement it is, right? Ask somebody who has the the best frozen custard in town, right? Everybody's going to say Ted Drews, and you're wrong, and that's okay, right? Look at that, people are ready to stone me for that, Right? Do you understand? What I'm saying is, is on the most simplest of things, men can't agree, yet over 1,500 years, 40 different men inspired to write the same story and to write things in a way that were put together all pointing in the same direction. So that right there is part of it. Now, I I could get into it if you wanted to, if you wanted to talk about, well, what about other holy scriptures? Or what about other holy texts? What about like the Quran, who was basically written by a couple of guys under the authority of somebody's uncle, and then every manuscript before it was basically burned so there couldn't be anything done about it. What I'm saying is it's the only book. This book has been more scrutinized and more torn apart than any other book in the history of books. And yet they still come back to it and go, I don't get how 40 different men from 1,500 years apart could all be writing the exact same thing. So that's one thing. Number two, 
We see this in fulfilled prophecy. Do you understand this, this book was not written in 2018 once everything has already taken place? Do you understand that this book right here, there are over 300 prophecies concerning the guy that we say we follow after that he actually fulfilled. Meaning stuff was written prior to something happening, inspired by an infallible God, and then those things took place. (laughs) There's not any other books that have that. There's not any other books that would say this, this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen. Oh, and then by the way, it's, it does. So we see that. I'm just trying to give you some very basic things on, on why we would view as a church, why we would view these things as foundational pieces and pieces we can stand on. Number three, archaeologically, yes, even historically, we could sit there and say, oh, well, you, you, can't, you can't prove this thing historically. It's not a history book. Yet, outside of the context of this book, secular, what we would call non-religious archaeologists are proving the fact that the stuff that actually went down, went down and happened there. And I know some of you are sitting there going, come on, man, give me a little bit more than that. I, I, I will. I'm glad you asked. One of, the, one of my favorite ones is this. In the Bible, how it presents, now remember, this was written by men, right? Men don't like to look bad, do they? Huh? I, I personally don't. I don't like to look bad, meaning I don't like to have my, my, uh, all my flaws put out in, the, in, in front of everybody. But just look, if you look at this book right here, if you look by the 40 different men over 1,500 years, the majority of the men as they're writing down and what is being said and what's being inspired them to do, guess what stays in there? All of their flaws and all their failings. Man, if I was David, there was a couple of things I would not have left in there. If I was Peter, I would have been like, you know when I cussed out that little girl around the campfire and said I didn't know Jesus? Guys, let's leave that one out. Right? Like there are things... There are things I would have left out, right? There are things that I would have said, right? Even the great Solomon, right? In all of his knowledge and all of his wisdom and everything. And then he starts building idols for his wives from other countries so that they can worship and that's his failing and that's how he goes out. All of that stuff. Man, I would have just left it out. I was the smartest, richest, coolest guy ever to live, period. Let's end it there. Yet because God inspires this, he's like, this story isn't about man. This book is not about man. This book is revealing the love of God and the character of God and revealing the one that has the authority. Are you following me on this? So there's multiple things in in all of those areas, guys. Let me just be completely honest with you. I'm giving you like a three-inch deep literally a three inch deep study on why we believe this. I could take each part of these things and we could spend the next five weeks on each part. I could because they are deeper than that. Our beliefs aren't based on very thin rice paper. We are standing on very firm foundations. Do you hear me? 
And what I'm saying is, is you need to know and be able to understand when I say that I believe this is the case, know that you are standing on firm ground. Know that you are standing on ground that says, no, I believe that the Bible is inspired. Well, and then might somebody ask you this question. Have you ever had somebody ask you this question? Well, why do you believe that the Bible is, is inspired or, or it can't be wrong? And so then what you do is you quote the Bible, right? You say things like this in, in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, or we'll just use for uh, 2 Timothy. Isn't that where I told you to go? 2 Timothy, it says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Hebrews 4.12, and you can go there. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is what? Alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and spirits and joints and marrow. It meaning the word of God, judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. This judges us. We do not judge it. Is that, do you follow me on that? We are the clay speaking back to the potter. We are not here to judge this. We are here. It, this is the thing that judges us, not condemns us, because we were already condemned. This convicts us unto life. Are you following me with that? But the problem with that, let me deal with something real quick. Come on, I need you to stay with me because some of you are going to go, I get it. Bible's the word of God, I'm out. But I'm trying to give you some ammunition. I'm trying to give you something that you need to know or you'll look silly because you'll get into these conversations or you'll be walking somebody and discipling them and not know where to go with this. Somebody would look at you and say, well, wait a second, that's circular reasoning. And what do I mean by that? Why? You can't prove the Bible is real by quoting the Bible, right? But that's circular logic. That's circular reasoning. If I'm quoting the very thing that I, I'm, I'm using it to tell me that it's real. Ah. But the problem with that, when somebody says that to you, you can't use the Bible to prove the Bible, what they're coming from and the context that they're coming from, Chris, tell me if I'm wrong in this. The context that they're coming from is the fact that they're already assuming that there was only one author. So if there was only one author, are you following me on this? If there was one author, I couldn't, it's like if I was reading a scientific document written by one guy. And I said, yep, I believe this. Well, why do you believe it? Well, it says it right here. Well, I would sit there and say, well, you can't do that because there was nobody else involved in it. I can't use the guy that I'm saying is right because he said it's right. Are you following me on this? But yet the Bible, when somebody says, well, you can't use the Bible to prove the Bible, they're already assuming, they don't even realize what they're saying, that they're already assuming that there was one author. One author. But the reality of it is, is I'm not quoting one author. I'm quoting 40 different guys over 1,500 years, right? So, so, so if, if you're saying I can't use something, it doesn't even fit that circular reasoning logic. Are you following me on this? So we can use the Bible because we're not, we believe that there's one author, one divine author that inspired 40 different men over 1,500 years, all saying the exact same thing. We believe that. We stand on that. But if somebody says, oh, you can't do that. No, no, no. What you're already doing is thinking that there is, you're already agreeing with me. When you say, I can't, because you're saying, I can't quote the one author. Ah, I got you. You just said that there's one author. Are you following me on this? 
Like, this is important because these are the things that people are going to say. These are the people that, that are having questions about this. Well, well, how do I know? What do I, what do I believe? Well, you can just point to these simple, small things. But, but now let's do this. Let's kind of move from like the kind of some of the like factual, like, like, okay, let's just get some data stuff in our heads. I want to deal with something bef- before I let you get out of here. I want to deal with something that we kind of talk about and people say all the time. How many of you ever heard this statement that the Bible is a roadmap to life? Anybody here? Anybody here ever say the Bible is a roadmap to life, right? Right, okay. Well, let's do a little exercise because I, I, I want to make sure that we all understand what we're saying when we say that. Everybody get your phones out. I know most of you already had your phones out. You've already put your DoorDash orders in. And I want you to pull up Google Maps. Pull up Google Maps for me. Will you do that? Come on, if you're playing at home, you can do this because you're already watching me on your phone. And I want all of you to do something. I want you right now to type in a destination where you would like to go. And just put it into Google Maps. Will you do that? Some of you are like, what's my home address? What is the exact directions to my lazy boy? And I asked you to put it into Google Maps because we all know that we're not going to put that into to Apple Maps because then Siri gets involved and me and her, are, we are at odds. We're in counseling right now. I've never yelled so much at an inanimate object that doesn't exist other than Siri. It's unbelievable. So somebody just yell out where you put in a, 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 a destination of. Just somebody tell me real quick. What? Hawaii, what? I heard somebody over here. Aldi's? The Maldives Islands. Oh, they said Aldi's. I'm like, we all got stuff to do, right? Somebody else. So we've got Australia, huh? What about anybody put anything inside America? I notice how everybody wants to get out, huh? Somebody put Washington, D.C. What else? Well, who did you put? Daytona Beach. Huh? Where did you put? You said the same thing? Daytona Beach? Okay. How many of you put uh, somewhere on a, on a beach? Okay, now let's do this exercise. Look at your phone. Keep your phones out. Keep your phones out. What is Google Maps offering you in this, in, when you look at that map? Huh? That's mom's phone, right? Elijah said mom would put Goodwill. Yes. She's got them all starred, right? (laughs) We're working through that. Hey, there are worse problems to have. Let me just tell you that. There are worse problems to have when your bride just wants to go to Goodwill. That's all I'm saying. But what what is your map saying? What kind of options is it giving you in those maps? Come on, just tell me. What is it? What is it showing you? The directions? What else? What kind of directions? Quickest route? What else? Huh? Hotels along the way? What else? Anybody else? Tourist attractions, right? What else? What else? Huh? Dodging traffic jams. How do I get there the quickest and get around? I don't want to sit through this, right? How many? Anything else? Anybody get like a scenic route offer, right? As if you want to drive through like two-lane roads all the way down to Daytona, right? 
and make a 20-hour trip into a 70-hour trip, right? But we got to drive through small-town USA. It was awesome. But you get all kinds of options, right? So like when you put in a destination, I want to go here. When we think about a roadmap, we have grown used. We've gone very used to getting options on how we get to the destination we want to go. You follow me on this? Right? The only issue with that is when we apply that same filter to the Bible, when we say things like the Bible is our roadmap to life, all of a sudden we go, this is the context I'm going to view this book, or I'm going to give this book to somebody, and I'm going to say, you need to, your life's a mess. This will get you on track. And I give them this book, and I say, take this book and read it. It'll guide you to where it goes. Now, there are things that it commands along the way. There are directions. But as a roadmap, if I filter this book as a roadmap, as if this is going to guide me through life, the problem is, is I will filter it the way I filter and how I put in things into Google Maps. Number one, where did I, what happened when you opened Google Maps and you, who got to enter the destination? Who got to enter the destination? I'm sorry, who? So you did, right? You put the destination in. So anytime we think about a map, anytime we think about a map, we are already thinking through the lens of where I want to go. Are you following me on this? Like I want to go somewhere. And so if I think and I look at this and I go, this book right here is a map to get me to what? Where I want to go. Some of us struggle, and we think that this book is going to be a book that's going to lead you to where you want to go. Just do it in a way that looks morally better and without sin. But yet, the, still, the final destination is still where I want to go. Are you following me on this? So when I read this book, if I filter it that way, I will be, I will, number one, I'm going to get all of a sudden really confused because when I read verses, things like when it says, if you want to save your life, you'll lose your life. Well, wait a second. That's not where I wanted to go. My destination was to have my best life. My best, my destination was to have the, my greatest life, my most fulfilled life, everything I want in life. I, this is where I'm headed. I want to, this is where I want to go with my job. This is when I, where I want to go in my relationship. This is where I want to go with my finances. And yet God, all of a sudden, you begin to read this book through that filter. And all of a sudden it says, wait a second. For those that are going to save their life, they're going to have to lose it. Wait a second. The, it says things in there like, like the greatest among you, if you're going to, you're going to have to be a servant. Well, wait a second. That doesn't fit my destination. The other kicker is this. I heard people say things, I think it was you, Sally, that said uh, going around traffic, right? How many of you, when I, if I read the Bible, there are many times where in life I'm headed somewhere and things are all of a sudden building up and building up and they're getting in the way. And I, if I look at the Bible as a way to get me around those things, then all of a sudden things like when the Bible says that my strength and who I am and my peace and my grace is sufficient for you doesn't line up because that doesn't get me around this. I want to know how to get around this. I don't want to sit in this traffic. 
book, tell me how to get around it. And the book looks back at you and goes, my grace is sufficient for you. Well, this book is stupid. This book is as bad as Siri. No, are you following me on this? What I'm saying is, is if we do not have this filter correct, then we will try to get into this book, or worse yet, give this book to somebody else and say, this will you get you on the right path. This will take you on the right course. This will get you on the right road. And so they go into it looking for a map and a roadway to life. And what they find is just God. What they find is, is the book, the ultimate story of the book and the ultimate revelation of the book is not how to get you to your best life. The ultimate goal of the book is to glorify God. See, some of us, let me even deal with this just for a moment. And I hope you're still with me on this. Huh? I, 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 again, I... And, Again, this isn't like one of those like rah-rah messages like, let's run around the room because we know that the Bible has been written by 40 guys in 1,500 years. I, I get that. But we have to know this. We have to have a reason for our hope and all of these things and actually believe and know what we're talking about. I want to deal with this. Some of us would think that the end goal of this book was to get us to salvation. That this whole book was just to show us the way to salvation. Boy, that sounds godly, doesn't it? The only problem is it's not. The only problem is that limits this thing. Do you understand that all things that he does, even your salvation, is not for your sake, but for his? Did you hear what I just said? Meaning that this book isn't even the roadmap to salvation, even though salvation lies in it. But this book is not a roadmap to it. It points to it, but, it's, but if we just see it through the lens of this is a roadmap for me, I'm still the final destination of this thing. Are you following me on this? If this is just about my salvation, then this whole thing was written about me, which is so far off because the Bible over and over and over and over again. Psalms, I think it's 23. You know, one of our favorite Psalms where it's like, I'm, I, I, I take you beside still waters. I do this for you. 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 Oh, and by the way, I do it all. Why? For you? No. For my name's sake. Meaning everything that I've done for you, everything that you read in this book is not for you benefit. You are a beneficiary, but it's all for my glory and my name's sake. Are you following me on this? And so if I don't see this, if I don't have this clear as, as a bell, clear as it can possibly be, then I will read this incorrectly. I will constantly read this in a way that is taking me as I am still the central focus of my life. But building off of last week and building off the fact that God says, I have all authority, I now have to even see myself in the context of this word that even if I read something and it's directing me in a destination and it's pointing me in a way that's not sending me where I want to go, because I know God is my authority, I now have the ability to read this correctly and go, I will submit because I'm just the clay speaking to the potter. And this is about you, and this is not about me. Are you following me on this? 
The reason that Christians are confusing is because we have things like bumper stickers and, and we have things like coffee mugs that say things about our life. And we're like, these are the things that motivate me. Right, and, and we kind of live by these one-off verses of, oh, this, is, this got me through, and this got me through, this got me through, as if those verses were just designed to get you through the day. And if we look at Scripture through that lens, we will miss the whole point of the infallible, inspired, life-giving Word of God, which is not to reveal you in the plan of God, but to reveal Him. Let me just finish with this. Are you with me still? Yes. I want you to go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3 through 4. And I'm just going to read this to close. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Now, hold on. We probably, we could just put a, if we put a period at the end of that sentence, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, period. How we would then read the Bible is this whole thing was for to show us how to live a godly life. That's still me. That's still me centered, but it goes on. It says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Meaning this, this is not a roadmap to a life. This is a roadmap to reveal him. And when I see him, things in my life then will line up with this and not me trying to get this to line up with things in my life. Are you following me on this? My goodness, how many times I have read, do you know, I remember, I remember when I was younger, and I was dealing with a bunch of unforgiveness. I, I, I read through this book so many times looking for ways out. I, look at, I, I, looked, I looked in the maps. I looked in the context. I looked anywhere I could possibly find. I looked in the Greek and the Hebrew. Give God, there's got to be somewhere in here that says because I went through this, I don't have to do this. I don't have to forgive that person. I don't have to forgive them. They hurt me too bad. I get a way out, don't I? But because this isn't about my sake and my needs, and this is about the glory of God, then I have to, I, everything I found said, no, you have to forgive and you have to be obedient. Why? Why? So that I, I can deal with or, or have the residue of, of letting somebody go? No, but because of my life now will honor God because of my obedience. Are you following me on that? See, we think, oh, God wants me to, to, to forgive somebody or do whatever he's asked us to do, to let this person go or to let me walk into freedom. No, the real reason that he commands us to do anything and sees obedience in anybody is so that and you are a life that is glorifying the Father. Because obedience glorifies the Father. And then the residue of obedience is direction and a path to, to freedom. Are you following me on this? We can't put that first and put glorifying God second. Right, does that make sense? Does this help anybody? Oh, this is yes in America, this is no. Because I'll start over. I will. I have, no, I have nothing going on until like three this afternoon. I will start over. Guys, we have to understand this. This is a big deal. We're just not a people that say, yep, I believe in the good book. 
Because somebody else might come up and go, well, I got another good book. What's different about your good book than my good book? Well, mine reveals the creator of the universe. And it's, it's been perfect, and it's been put through a blender about a million times. Oh, and by the way, it's got the oldest manuscripts than any other book in the closest, I think within 300 years. We've got manuscripts going back to almost 50 years outside of when it was written. So that means it's got the closest material dated to when it was first written. We got all kinds of stuff, man. It's kind of a big deal. It's infallible. It was inspired. It's life-giving. Why? Because it points me and it takes me where I want to go. No, because it reveals the creator of the universe. And man, when I see the creator of the universe, I no longer care about my destination because he has authority and I will just go wherever he is because I've seen him. And that that obedient follower, not just the word follower that checks off boxes, but the obedient follower of Christ that just goes wherever you want to go, that glorifies God, not just the moral rule follower. Are you following me on this? Let me pray for us. Man, I hope this helps you. Man, I hope you get this because I know this is one of those kind of messages that's kind of more informational than some of that kind of rah, rah, rah stuff and let's kind of, kind of get excited. This is just stuff we've got to know. We've got to have it in us. It's got to be bedrock in us, man. Why? So we can be self-righteous? No, so that we can glorify God and lead others to him to see his glory. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you so much. Father, I thank you for this revelation. I pray that this is just like salt on our tongues, that it causes us to even seek you more, to seek out this truth more, to see you clearly, to begin to see the word of God, your word, and you being revealed in it. Maybe, Father, we might even need to repent. We might even need to repent where we have said, oh, this is just leading me to my destination. Father, let us repent of that and just go, Father, man, I just want to see your goodness. I just want to see and glorify you. Let it be so. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you would like prayer, you can text Freedom Prayer to 94000 and send us your prayer request. And don't forget to find us on social media at Freedom Church STL. You can also find more info on our website at freedomchurchstl.com.